Trinity is a group of missionaries in another country in Asia that had come over to Dubai just kind of for their staff training. And we got to kind of be their keynote speakers. And so this is me um, in front of their group. And so in the course of five days, I spoke eight times. And my, my wife spoke once. And then we met with uh, 18 different married couples, kind of like a little marriage tune-up, and we had this little spot. It was really cool. It's like you're working really hard, like, but in a cool locale. We had this little, these little couches outside by this like, little beachside uh, restaurant, and we would sit there, and they would sit there, and it was really cool. So you can just imagine that after five days of speaking that much and, and interacting with so many families, we were pretty wiped. While we were trying to get adjusted to that time zone, and before we could get adjusted to that time zone, now we're back, and it's just kind of it's kind of wild. But it was an incre- it was an incredible trip, and I share that with you um, in part because this is you, you get you get to be a part of that. This is part of it's not something cool that just Heidi and I got to do. This is something cool that we got to do. Some of the five of those sixty or so people are people that come from our church that we have the privilege to support, and this is a ministry that we get to have, kind of the ongoing encouragement and support of people who are doing incredible things around the world, and so I want you to feel, I want you to feel good about this. I want you to feel like this is something great that we as a church get to invest in. So we got back um, Thursday, and, and now we're here, and it's Christmas, and we're excited about this, and normally um, in the middle of a, a, you do a Christmas series, you're talking about um, you go to Matthew or Luke, and you talk about the stories with, with shepherds and, and wise men and, and, and born in a stable and those kinds of things. But we've been in John 1, actually, which has kind of a different um, reflection on what it means that Jesus came into the world. And so rather than telling the story of kind of the logistics and the really cool story about what physically happened, the reflection that John is making here in John chapter 1 are kind of the, the spiritual personal theological implications of what it means that, 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 that Jesus, that God sent his son into the world. And so Mark kicked this off last week and just kind of talked about this idea of Jesus coming, a, a God becoming man is bringing, is bringing light into the world. It's, it, it's illuminating uh, the world. And so I was getting ready for, for this week. I, you know, I got home you know, on Thursday, and by Friday, I was, you know, I was, in, I was in the office trying to check email and get caught up on some things, and I, and I got an email, and I get too many of these emails. Honestly, one is too many of these emails. Though, uh, it, just, it just frustrates me so much. It's, anything that's directed generally to all pastors, I know it's just going to be clickbait garbage. And, and, and it says, but this, one's, this is the worst kind, where it's like, a urgent need, you know, Pastors need to rally or mobilize, and it's, and it's from another pastor, and it's, and, and it's a political thing. And, you know, like they're trying to get me, we as a pastors need to take a stand, blah, 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 and you need to sign this thing. And so I'm not signing anything. I don't need to read it. No, I'm not signing your thing, right? But I click on it anyway because I'm infatuated with clickbait. I click on it. It's like, <laughs> we the pastors of Northwest Arkansas, and I'm like, mm-mm, I'm already, I'm, I'm already out. I'm already out. And then we're taking this kind of courageous stand on this political, this particular political issue, right? And, you know, every couple of years there'll be people that are trying to give us voter guides to pass out. And then there's this one issue, including this one, where, where I, will, I, I will get seriously, within the course of a month, the, the two versions of that, of that email. 
We as a pastor, we need to unite around the values that God has for us and we need to take a stand for this political thing. And then the next week you get, you need to take a blah, 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 the opposite of everything you just read. Right? And, and, and these churches and, the, and these pastors, man, they just want to take these political stands. And I just made a decision a long time ago, man. We're going to do the thing that we do and, and we're just going to let the, 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 that mess that those idiots have created in, in Washington, we're just going to let them do that. And, and it's jet lag, and I'm sorry I said idiots. <laughs> but I understand, I understand why other pastors do this, and I'm not, I'm not trying to give them too hard of a time. But, um, and I, I'm not even telling you what the issue is, because even if I just were to bring up the issue, and it's just more true now. It's been, I've been saying this for 15 years but it's more true now than, than, than it ever was. I mean, if I were even to tell you what the issue was, I mean, all of you would be angry that I'm, that I'm not being courageous and taking a stand. But the thing is, is that all of you would be angry, but half of you would be angry over here, and a half of you would be angry at me at, at, over here. And then it's like, but Charlie, you're not, you're not being courageous. You know, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not taking a stand. You know, it, it's, it's, it's weak pastors that won't take courageous stands. But here's the thing that I've decided, and we've kind of decided as a church, and you can go along with it, I guess, or not, but the thing that we say about who Jesus is is crazy controversial. I mean, just the things that we come in here, you're going to come in here, and we're going to tell you who Jesus is and the implications that Jesus has on your life. That's, that's plenty of controversy. And so what we want, we want to be a place where we can create an environment that is safe enough that there will be no obstacles between you, your house, the parking lot, and this seat right here where you're at, where you will get to hear, clearly hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and its implications for your life. And so um, this passage that we're looking at today, where we're talking about who Jesus is and the implications of that for all of us. Let me tell you, the things that we're about to say are incredibly controversial. And I, and I don't want you to feel like you can't even come here and hear because the thing that you're so frustrated about, I can't believe that church is so Republican, that church is, that church is, that church is, so, that church is so Democrat. If you're going to be mad at me for saying something you don't like, I want it to be because I'm reading to you and describing to you the things that Jesus says about himself. Okay? And so, let's just go ahead and look here in John chapter 1, verse 6. Verse 6 says this, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. So this book is written by one dude named John who was one of his disciples. He's, just, he's talking about another guy named John that's commonly referred to as John the Baptist, who's Jesus' cousin, kind of started his ministry a few months before Jesus, all with the idea of kind of, he was kind of, he was kind of like the hype man, you know, it was like, you know, kind of, he was getting, the, uh, warming up the crowd, Right? I know that's a terrible illustration. Um, trying to get people ready for Jesus, right? So that's who he's talking about, right? He came as a witness to testify concerning that lie, the lie that Jesus was, that Mark talked about last week, talking about Jesus. Jesus is coming. Hey, I want you guys to know Jesus is coming. So that through him, through Jesus, everyone might believe. He himself, John, John was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Now the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He, Jesus, Jesus was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which is his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, 
to all who did receive him. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. So he's just describing Jesus here. He's like, man, there was this guy, John. He kind of came first, and he was telling everybody, hey, I'm, 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 I'm not the one that God sent. I'm the one that's here to tell you about the person that, 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 Jesus, that God sent. And his name is Jesus, and he is going to, he's, he's going to, he's going to bring light to this whole situation. You know, he's talking to a group of people, man, that they, they feel completely in darkness. They're in political darkness. They are, they are overwhelmed. They are oppressed people. They are poor. And, and, they are, and, they are, and they are slaves, really, even in their own hearts to these rules that they've put on themselves. And they believe that they can only honor God by following these rules, but they can't, they're not good enough to follow the rules. And so they're spiritually oppressed. They're physically oppressed. They're politically oppressed. And let me tell you, this light's coming and it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to bring light to the, to the whole world. And then as John is reflecting on it here, he says, you know, but the, the, even though this, this, this light, this Jesus, he created everything. And even though he, he created everything, the, the people that he'd created, they didn't recognize him. And in fact, he, he came into his own. These were his people. And they rejected him. But you know what? Those that did receive him, to those that really believed in him and his name, they became children of God. And it's an incredibly inspiring passage on one level to just kind of think and reflect about how, how the God of the universe saw us in darkness and did not think, well, man, it's kind of a darkness you created on your own. You kind of did this to yourself. You know, too bad. Good luck with that. He's like, man, he saw his creation, he saw it in darkness and said, man, they need help and I'm going to send light and I'm going to send it in the form of my son and my son is going to come. And if you receive that light, you can become a, a, a child of God. It's an incredibly inspiring passage, but if we really kind of get really into it, there are really some hard truths here that we're going to have to, we're going to, have to wrestle with. We're going to have to wrestle with, and again, so rather than, than talking about today's latest political controversy, we're going to talk about some incredible claims here that, that this gospel is making about Jesus. And the first one is this, is that the light of Jesus is for everyone. The light of Jesus is for everyone. Verse 9, verse 9, he says this, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. This light was intended to be a light that shines over the whole world. This was not a light that was intended just for a few people in the Middle East in the, in, in the first century. This was not intended to be... A, this was a light that God was bringing to the entire world. This was meant to be kind of a culmination of a thing that, that, that God has been doing for generations and generations. For all the way back into Genesis chapter 12, when God picked Abraham... And he was the, kind of the first Jew. And he said, I'm going to make you, I'm, I'm going to be your God. And I'm going to bless you. I'm going to overwhelm you with blessing. Not so that Abraham could be blessed. But he says this, so that through you, everyone in the world can be blessed. I want everybody in the world to be blessed. Because there was a lot of tribalism. It's your fancy word of the day. Tribalism going on there. Where every tribe had their own God. 
and you know, and our God's better than your God, and we're going to go to war about it. And if we if we if we win the war, that means our God's bigger than your God. And God enters into this situation where people are all these tribalists, and we're just like, hey, listen, I'm going to show them through their own method that there's actually just one God. And, and, and through this group that I'm going to put together, I'm going to bring life to the whole world. And we see that unfolding all throughout the Old Testament. We saw it even in the series that we just finished in, in, about Moses, where God does these incredible miracles, not just to take care of his people, but to show Egypt and ultimately show the world where, where, where the, really the one true God lies. And so now God kind of culminates all of this in the coming of Jesus Christ. He's like, man, I want the whole world to see this. And someone's like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, Jesus and Christmas, it's really just for, it's just for Christians, right? It's just, that's a Christian thing. It's not, it's not really meant for everybody. Well, here's the thing. 2,000 years later, we need to be really fired up that people didn't believe that 2,000 years ago. Because Jesus did not come to white America. He didn't come to America. Not an American religion. It's a Middle Eastern religion. And those, middle, those first century Middle Eastern people recognized that in Jesus, there was meant to be light for the whole world. And through generations of faithfulness and people bringing this foreign religion to us, to explain to us who Jesus Christ is. Now we feel, I mean, this is kind of ours. But it's not ours. It's not something that just we hold on to. This is a light that was intended to be given to the whole world. And so this light of Jesus, while we want to take a moment and just kind of reflect on just kind of what it means for us personally, we need to recognize that this thing that God did through his son Jesus Christ was a light for the whole world. But obviously, even 2,000 years later, the whole world has not accepted this. And we see this even, you know, just in a few years past after this, as John is reflecting on this, we see this. Man, people can reject the light. I mean, God shines light on the world and says he's trying to bring light and hope and life to the whole world. He shines his light on it, but not everybody sees it in a good way. And in verse 10 and 11, that's what he says. Man, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. It's just just kind of a weird thing, right? Everything he saw, every person he interacted with, everything he touched, everything he interacted with in any way, and he created It was his. It was a special creation by Jesus. And even though that was true, the people were so kind of, let's just say, lost in the darkness that they didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own. This was all his, his creation. He came into that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. I don't... We don't, we don't want that. No thanks. You know, and that's... You make this huge sacrifice to leave the, the presence of God the Father and to become a person and, and to enter into our world, to, to serve, to save, to ultimately die for as a sacrifice to reunite people to God. And it says, man, the, the overwhelming majority of people didn't receive him, didn't even, didn't even recognize him. They didn't want it. And you think, man, how is that possible? 
How is it possible that the God of the universe can come? And I see you living in darkness. I see the, I see the, the, the hopelessness that you feel, the struggle, the darkness that you're living in, the, the internal darkness, the, the oppressive darkness. And I've come to bring light and life and hope to this situation. And they reject it. Well, we'll just kind of use a little, a, little, a, little, a little metaphor here, right? About, you know, because sometimes light's a great thing, sometimes it's not. So we'll just, I'm going to put you in the middle of the story and I'm going to tell you anything about uh, the characters involved or the situation of what's going on. We'll just, we'll just start with this. That there's a police officer and he's, he's, got a, he's got a little flashlight, right? But not like a normal flashlight, one of those like, you know, kind of big as your arm, big old flashlight things that they have. And, 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 and he turns it on. It's big bright light. He shines it on you and says, is everything okay here? Now, is that good news or bad news? Good news or bad news? Well, obviously that depends, right? Depends on a couple things. One, your perception of the relative goodness of a police officer. Right? This is one of those controversies that we've, we've talked about a little bit, but we don't get into a whole lot, but it's a big controversy today. I mean, is, is a police officer, is he an agent for good in this world, in our world, in our nation? Or is a police officer an, angel, uh, an agent of, of, of divisiveness and oppression? Well, what you think about that is going to, that clouds your perception of the police officer with the, with the, with the, with the light shining on you, right? But there, there's another thing that kind of alters your perception of whether or not this is a good story or a bad story, right? Depends on, on what you was doing before the light came on you. You know what I'm saying? Like, what, what were you doing? Had you ha- have, you, have you had one too many to drink? And you've gotten pulled over on the side of the road because you're driving erratically and he pulls his lights on you. He's like, what's everything okay here? And you're like, no, it's not, right? And, and, and you're scared now, Right? You know, uh, are, are you causing harm to somebody in a dark place and the light shines on you? Or are you the one that's being harmed? Someone is, someone is hurting you. And he turns the light on, is everything okay here? You've saved me. Somebody is hurting me and now you've saved me. You have brought light to a dark situation for me. And so depending on which person you are in the, in the, in the, in the, in, in the dark alley and the police officer shines the, shines the light... Depending on who you are, it's either good news or bad news. You're stranded on the side of the road with two flat tires and no ability to change, change the tire and you're, and you're far away from, from any help. Police officer pulls over, turns on the light, says, everything okay here? And you're thinking, I've been, I've been saved. He, he saved me. And so, whether or not you believe that God shining light into the world is a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it depends. What's your perception of God? Is God an angry ogre who is here to destroy and smite and judge you? Or is he a good loving God who wants to bring hope and life to you? And it also depends on um, what you're doing when he shines the light on you. And, 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 and do you view yourself as someone in desperately need of help? Or do you view yourself as someone who's trying to get away with something and his light is oppressive? It, it's, 
it's embarrassing. How many of you, I, I said this with the, with the police, how many, how many of you have been, been stranded on the side of the road? How many of you have been stranded on the side of the road at least five times? How many of you have been stranded on the side of the road at least five times in the same calendar year? I tell you, it's embarrassing every time. Every time the police officer comes and says, is everything okay here? You desperately, everything in you wants to say yes, right? Because I'm a guy, right? And guys know about this stuff. The guy, there's something wrong with the car and you pull over and I'm supposed to be able to like pop the trunk and go, oh, hey, <laughs> hey fix it. And you drive off. It's, it's, it's crazy embarrassing. I don't want to admit that I need help. And his light on me says, you can't do this. And it's embarrassing and humiliating unless you're willing to humble yourself and say, no, I, I, I desperately need this help. I desperately need this help. And even if the thing that the light's getting shined on is something that's bad and you know it's bad, when that light shines on you, you've kind of got a couple of different options. You, you, you can be angry that your thing is being exposed. Or, or you can be thankful for a God who saw you do that thing and is shining light on it, not to condemn you, but, but to save you from yourself. Fast forward a couple of chapters here to John chapter 3. Everybody's favorite verse, John three sixteen. It's for, for God so loved the world that he sent his son. It was out of an overwhelming love th- that God sent his son. And, and there's some other verses in John 3 that you should like. You shouldn't just, John 3, 16 shouldn't just be your favorite. It should be like 14 to 19, right? It should be all of those verses. Because another thing that he talks about in there is like, I mean, he, he didn't come here to condemn the world. The world's already condemned. He, he came to save it. And if there's anything that, you know, the, the crazy controversies and, and, and um, the, the, the idiocy and stupidity that is going on all around pop culture and, and, and our political process, I don't have to come in here and do a real hard, I have to do a whole lot of work to convince you this world is broken and dark and needs light. It's the question that, the, that when the true light, this is it, the true light, the, the true light, not fake lights, there's lots of fake lights out there and they're sending me emails. But when the true light comes that gives light to everyone, now, now that's, that's the light. But there's, there's, there's a humility that comes from that. There's a, there's a conviction that comes from that that we're going to have to be willing to embrace. But people will, man, they, they will reject that light. So the light of Jesus is for everyone. People can reject the light. But here's the awesome thing. That those that receive that light, they get a brand new family. Verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And what he's saying here is, man, you can become, you get to become a part of God's family. He's not here to condemn you. He's not here to convict you. He's not here to overwhelm you. He is here to invite you into his family. I see your hurt. I see your brokenness. 
And I want to shine light on it so that you can have life. And I want you to come and I want you to be a part of my family. Not, 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 you're not born that way. It's not a natural descent. It's not a, it's not a human decision or something that a dad or a husband decides, but God himself is inviting you to his family, which sounds really great. But again, there's just a, uh, some controversial things in here that we're just going to have to put our mind around. Being a child of God is not something that you're born into. You're not born a child of God. You're born a creation of God. You are loved by God. You are cared for by God. You are valued by God, valued so much that he sent his son for you. But you're not his child. It says you become his child. You become a part of God's family. How? By receiving him and believing in his name. And there's something about that phrase we're just going to have to put our minds around a little bit. It's not believing in his essence. It's not believing in his ministry. It's not believing in his spirit. It's not believing in his ideas, his ideals, his values. It's his name. You know, the, Jesus over here and this person of, of another religion over here may have similar ideals, but they're not the same person. And this says, man, we need to believe in his name. The name of Jesus is what allows you to become a child of God. And if, 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 that, if that's controversial to you, if you struggle with that, I encourage you, man, just, just do a search. It's easy now with, 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 with Google and, and Bible apps and things. Search for that, the name of Jesus. You'll see all throughout the book of Acts, you'll see this powerful message that Peter gives. He says, there's only one name in heaven under which we must all be saved. It's the name of Jesus. And so that feels, that feels controversial. It's like, man, that's got a lot of implication on seven billion people in this world, many of which follow another religion, many of which have never heard the name of Jesus. Which is why it's important that we go and send people all over the world in the same way that it was important that people were sent to where we are. That people were willing to see that people from the Middle East were willing to send people northwest up into Europe. And those people from Europe would come here. It's important. And it's important that we go back to those places and, that, and we tell them. And we help them understand. And I understand that probably a lot of people here have a lot of questions about that. The implications for people in other religions. The implications for people of no religion who maybe are in a completely isolated tribe. There's lots of great questions to ask. And I've been answering and interacting with people on these questions for 25 years. And they're great questions. And there's answers and processing that can happen there to kind of, we really kind of understand really what this means. But just for this moment... For this moment, I would like for you to kind of set aside the 6.9 plus billion other people in the world and ask yourself, what are the implications of this for your life? God is shining a light on your life right now. And the things that you've done and who you are and the state that you're in, a light is being shown upon you. Am I rejecting that light or am I accepting it? 
For some of us, man, we have never accepted it the very first time. I've never accepted the fact that I need that light, that I need life, that I need hope. I'm sitting here huddled and, and, and coward in darkness and hoping that no one notices and God is shining this light on it. And rather than feeling hope, I feel shame. I feel embarrassed. And I want to say, no, I've got it. I know how to fix this car. But you don't. And, and this light is shining on you and, and he wants you to receive it and believe in the name of the one who brought it so, so that you can and have life. Some of you have done that once, but you still way too often are cowering in the dark. Man, I feel like God is constantly shining a light on my life. And, and, it, and it's a constant decision for me. Am I going to continue? Am I, am I going to accept the light that he is shining on this dark area of my heart and this dark part of my life? Am I going to accept it or reject it? So I just encourage you, as we worship, there's opportunities for people to pray with you in the back. You can pray with prayer candles. There's communion available. You can pray at the cross. We have opportunities to give. We have lots of ways to respond. But to ask yourself, not simply just what are the implications of this for everybody, but God, what about for me? Can I say that I am trusting only and totally in the name of Jesus Christ as the light and hope for my life? Let me pray.